How is your relationship to money? Does your business run out of money at the end of the month? Do you always have enough to pay your tax bill? Do you enjoy money? How do you view money? Well, welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur. This episode is all about cash. What would it take to become the hero of your own life? To build the business you've always dreamt of? To make money doing something you love? It's time to take control. Can we get on with making money and having fun now? I'm not doing it if it's not fun. Join the rebellion with Alan Donegan and welcome to Rebel Entrepreneur. Welcome to the Rebel Entrepreneur podcast. And today's episode is about the lifeblood of business, money, how you manage it, how you use it and what you think about it. And today I am very excited to have with me Emma May, who is the accountant or, well, what would we call you, Emma? The like virtual CFO, the accountant, Lord of Cash, Queen of Cash? I don't know. Oh, all those titles. I think Queen of Cash sounds great. So I'll go with that one. Excellent. She is Queen of Cash for Pop-Up. She manages and helps us to manage our finances, does our accounting and keeps us and the Pop-Up team in line when we try and expense things we shouldn't. Uh, So that is definitely what Emma does. Uh, She's incredible. And one of the reasons I'm excited to have her here with us is when we decided to turn Pop-Up into a limited company, into a fully-fledged company, Emma was just building her business at exactly the same time. And it's been fun as both of our businesses have grown at the same time and sharing those experiences. So welcome to the show, Emma. Thank you, Alan. I'm looking forward to it. And we also have Henry Nicholson. He's the first person I ever hired, and I've not been able to get rid of him since. (laughs) What an intro comparison. My Lord. (laughs) Uh, Henry, actually, um, well, how did we meet Henry? I think I played at your wedding in a band. And then we just saw that on a radio show. It was. It was. Yes, you used to run a radio show. What, what was it, Basingstoke FM? It was rather egotistically called the Alan Donegan Show. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> yeah, I came on for an interview. And we, um, I thought you were a little bit weird, so we just stayed in touch. That is factually correct. I am a little <laughs> bit weird. And Henry joined our business. You were fairly fresh out of education, and you've been doing a couple of bits and then joined our business. And it's been five years now, has it? Or four or five? I'm in my sixth year. In your sixth year. And Henry has gone from helping me file accounts and doing different bits to basically running the entire of pop-up and managing the finances. And now he's the CFO and the operations head. And there's a team. We've got a pretty big team that sits under Henry and runs the events. And I think the reason we've asked Henry to be on the podcast today is over the last year, He's taken over the finances of Pop-Up. So he's now the CFO for Pop-Up, and that'll give a really interesting experience of someone who's gone from no particular training around finance to running finances for a, what would you say, three quarters of a million pound business turnover roughly, and Henry manages that finances. So I think it'll have an interesting perspective and some thoughts to share on what he's learnt. But the starting place for this is... How do most small businesses manage their money? And we've all got some interesting perspectives on this. I run events around the world, helping people launch businesses. Henry's done that with me. And 
Emma, how many clients do you currently have that are sort of in the small business category? So I'd say we have around 150, 200 clients, but they're really varied. So some are tiny, they're startups just starting going. And then we've got others who are more established like yourselves, um, who have grown with us through the course of time. So yeah, we've got a kind of a wide variety of clients in different industries and yeah, complete different experience in terms of how they manage their money really we find that it really depends on the client a lot of them are organized but in the most part they are you know not used to managing money in the way that a business normally manages money so many of them live month to month and are not really aware of what profit they're making or how much cash they have in the bank they just maybe see the money in the bank and then spend it so this is kind of one of the things that we try and help them with and try and help them kind of manage their money better and think a bit longer term rather than just in the short term. That sounds just like how most people manage their personal finances as well. And I think actually that comparison is the way people manage their personal finances. They just continue managing their business finances the same until it gets to a certain size when they go, oh, this is a bit bigger than I thought. This is a bit more challenging than (laughs) I thought. There's a few bumps and a few bits going on here. I should probably learn about this stuff. And I think there is a direct comparison between those two. I'd completely agree with that. And I think it's even almost harder uh, managing business money because the money you've got in the bank isn't the money that you've got to spend because you've got bills that you've got to pay. Potentially, you've got premises, you've got taxes that you haven't yet paid for. So you're taking all this profit, but you might have to pay sales tax or business tax at the end of the year and you need to plan for those. So yeah, we find a lot of businesses struggle in the first year or so of trading when they can't kind of figure out what the cash means for them. Which actually, let's go straight to that. What's the biggest killer of small businesses? <laughs> I think everyone knows this, don't they? It's cash. Cash is king, isn't it? Yeah. Even if you're making a really good profit, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be able to survive because you might not be getting the cash in that you need to kind of survive and to pay all your bills. And it's that flow of cash through the business. And Henry and I were quite shocked when we had a conversation. One of our sponsors is a large bank across Europe and They were talking to us about cash flow killing business. And one of the stories he told us was that at the end of the tax year every year, he gets regularly contacted by clients asking for loans. And the Mm -hmm. reason they're asking for loans is because they can't pay their tax bill. They haven't saved for it and they have to go into debt to pay for it and then trade their way out over the next year. And then it happens again. Uh, And I find that fascinating that businesses... They know they've got to pay tax. Like, what are the three things that are certain in life or the two things? Death and taxes. That's it. You have to pay taxes. So how do you not see this coming? How do you not see this coming? I think it's hard because often people will start up a business and they won't think, oh, I need to get an accountant on board straight away. So they might trade for six months a year, build up some kind of good sales and then spend the money. And then as an afterthought, oh, I need to do my tax return. I need to get an accountant on board. And by that time, it's almost too late because they've kind of spent the money that they've generated and they haven't thought, oh, I need to save some money back in tax. And, you know, it is quite complicated because you're not sure how much tax you're going to be paying. You've got different rates of tax and different things that you can claim against your tax to produce your tax liability. So it is quite complex. And I think just a bit more forward planning would help, uh, would go a long way. So Henry, what's your experience of having watched small businesses? I mean, you watched my small business manage its finances from the very early days when it was just you and me in my lounge. And you've watched lots of other people start businesses. What's your experience of watching people manage finances? 
Yeah, I think probably the most scarring experience I've ever had was trying to file all of your petrol receipts or fuel receipts. <laughs> um, <laughs> I remember <'cause>, this. Because <laughs> you know how, you know, receipts are really important. I think this is probably one of the things that I get asked the most at pop-up business schools when running the uh, finance day. And it's always, do I really have to keep all of my receipts? Yes. Yes, you do. Because that, that's the proof that you've spent money on something for the business. So, you know, with that in mind, Alan, Alan's very, very good at keeping receipts. He's not very good at keeping them organized <laughs> or filing them in a timely manner. So um, I'd go down to Alan's car, unlock the car, and you know there's like the armrest in the middle between the two front seats. You open that with huge receipt pressure and this explosion of paper because he's got every petrol receipt that he's ever had for the last five years so um we'd have to carry all of those out and then in the other hand you'd have all of the meals and hotels and coffee there's a lot of coffee as alan has a lot he's fueled by coffee i think that's actually his blood supply and we would sort of sit and we would have to separate them out by month figure out how much is in each and then write down the information off of the receipt into a spreadsheet which we would then send to Emma and go, is this okay? Please tell me this is okay. Please don't make me do it again. <laughs> that was probably <laughs> the most... I say, please scan in all the receipts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, um, I'm not that mean. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, what was that, five years ago now? And that probably, as funny as it was and as painful it was at the time, it definitely set for me how important that stuff is. But then also it taught me what can happen if you don't forward plan and just as emma was saying you know if if you don't forward plan with the money that you're going to have to pay you know there is going to be taxes on this stuff on whatever money you earn if you do not forward think about it suddenly you have this mad rush and this big pain in one time period and i see that the most people come to us at the pop-up business school and they say i've i've got my vat bill or my tax bill to go out i haven't done anything about it for the last 12 months and suddenly it's this huge thing. But actually, if you just put an hour a month into it, you know, it's it's not a problem. So I think that forward planning is probably, probably the biggest thing that I've seen. And I would definitely add into the forward planning bit about systemization. And it's yes. the systemization of this stuff that makes it work really, really well. We've got better at that over the years, Henry, by putting in systems, by doing things one of our latest businesses that Katie and I run, we now take a photo of every receipt that we get, put it straight into OneNote, my favorite piece of software. And then at the end of each quarter, we add those to a spreadsheet. It's all done digitally. There's no paper receipts and it's all managed quite easily. And those systems, when you make them stick in your life, make things really, really easy. So a question for you both is, what are the best systems you have seen for people managing their finance? Like, what have you seen that works, makes life easier? What systems, software, ways of thinking can we help people ingrain in their lives so they actually stay on top of this stuff? I guess if we're talking just from a kind of record keeping, bookkeeping, making sure your books are up to date, I would say when you're starting out, you don't need any fancy kind of software or anything. You just need, as you've got a spreadsheet and then you can keep everything electronically, that works perfectly fine. 
However, if you do think you're going to grow and you're going to get bigger, then it is worth investing in some kind of more developed systems that can help you capture your receipts and almost do your, not do your bookkeeping for you, but but help you along the way. So we use Receipt Bank quite a bit and um, there are other options around. So it's not just Receipt Bank, but where you take a picture of the receipt and then it uploads the actual details into your accounting software for you. So it captures the date, the amounts, the tax, and it basically does that input for you. And that just really saves a lot of time when you've got multiple receipts. I and mean, I know you guys use it as well. And it can be useful for, you know, where you've got lots of employees who are all submitting their receipts and it can capture them in kind of an organized and timely fashion. So, yeah, I definitely recommend a system like that if you are kind of a larger organization. And then, yeah, there are so many different bookkeeping software products out there as well at the moment, which are kind of, yeah, there are pros and cons with all of them. But it's worth looking into what's the best for your individual business. For me, the thing that works across the board, and I've learned this through watching other businesses working in pop-up and also running my own side hustles, is habit. And it's just creating a really strong habit of just doing this stuff. For example, I run a web design agency alongside pop-up and the admin side, the finance, you know, the spreadsheets, the um, expenses side of it probably me about five hours a year it's not a big thing but I don't do that five hours all in one go I do it in 30 minute chunks every month and all I do is I just think what have I bought what have I spent uh, what have I made and then I just make sure that my spreadsheet is up to date regularly and if you're one person if you're a sole trader or a sole proprietor in this and it's just you running the business it's quite simple to do that and you can probably leave it longer periods of time because you know everything that's happening. As soon as you start to add a few more people, for example, pop-up, it probably takes me about five hours a week <laughs> to manage all of this stuff now because you know there's more people, there's more moving parts. But if you don't create a habit where you're doing this stuff regularly, you can drown in it. And there's so many parts to it. So doing it regularly is probably the most important thing. Yes, I 100% agree. And you're right, it's about the habits. This piece of software that Emma mentioned called Receipt Bank, it's a paid for piece of software, but it does save us time. And turning that into a habit that every time I got a receipt for coffee, a receipt for food, a receipt for accommodation when I'm out, I take a photo with my phone, I put the project in it, and it's immediately uploaded and done. And by doing it, each time I get a receipt, it takes 10 to 15 seconds and then it's out of my hair. It becomes a habit. By saving all those receipts and not doing it each time, you then come to the end of the month, the quarter, and you've got a five hour project that's painful and ends up scarring Henry because I don't want to do it. <laughs> And you've got your accountant chasing you down for the receipts. <laughs> yes, and you do not want MMA chasing you down. Definitely not. So I think that's the habit bit. And it doesn't really matter what the habit is, whether it's taking a photo and uploading it to Evernote or OneNote, whether it's just saving the photos in your phone in a separate folder so that you've got them all listed in date order, whether it is at the end of each day, you just, any receipts you've got, add them to uh, your spreadsheet or the end of each week, but it's creating that habit so that you know every single time X happens, 
i.e. I get a receipt or it's Friday afternoon or whatever that trigger is, I do X behavior and X behavior is to file the receipt, to list the invoices, to work out the profit or those sort of things. And I think it's stacking those habits from trigger to occasion and activity that will help you to stay on top of this stuff over the time. Absolutely. And just a book I'd recommend on that is Atomic Habits by James Clear. I've read that recently and it is half the time that it takes me to do that sort of stuff. Just implementing a strong habit is really, really, really important. James Clear is excellent. His book Atomic Habits is excellent. And actually one of the key pieces there was identity. And if you've got a good identity as someone who's good with money and a good money manager, then you're more likely to do it. If your identity is, I hate accounting and I hate books and I just don't get on with money, then you're going to cause yourself problems as you go and it will become a self-fulfilling prophecy. That book is definitely worth a read, Henry. It really is. Definitely. I find with habits as well, if I write it down or if I put it in my calendar, then I'm more likely to do it. So I've got tasks that I need to do each month or week. And then I'll put a little reminder in my outlook to say, right, pop up you know, I need to check the invoices or whatever. And then if I do that, then I'm more likely to actually tick it off and do it. It's almost something like, yeah, have it like a checklist to kind of get done on a monthly basis. And then you can feel like you're actually ticking it off. Whereas if it's just in your head, then often, I don't know, it might just be me, but I find I don't do it as often if it's in my head. Whereas if it's written down, then I'm more likely to do it. No, I think you're absolutely right. That monthly checklist is incredibly important. That is how Katie, my wife, and I manage our own personal finances is with a monthly checklist. And we go through going, have we paid this bill? Have we filed these invoices? Have we stayed on top of this? We also have a monthly money meeting where we go, what did we spend? What was a waste of money? What do we need to spend more on? How much did we save? And that monthly checklist and monthly meeting is how we stay on top of stuff. It's actually... I think one of the key elements that has enabled us personally to get to financial independence and stay on top of our business finances. Henry, do you have anything like that that you do for pop-up? Yeah, I think one thing that the team will probably um, mirror is my deadline setting. I'm quite strong with my deadlines. And as you've already mentioned, Alan, like taxes are something that are going to happen. And the benefit that we've got is that we usually know when that is. Yes, and we can, they give like, you a date up front. <laughs> it's literally every year. It is an annual thing. We know when it's going to happen. It shouldn't be a surprise. Imagine exactly. if they didn't. It was just like, surprise, you've got to pay your tax bill tomorrow. <laughs> and the thing with that, right, if you know the deadline, it makes it really, really easy to get that task done. Now, back to how I was in school, for example, if I knew there was a deadline, I would do all of the work the day before and then wonder why my uh, grades struggled. But fast forward to now and, you know, I'll get sent the, here are the receipts that we're missing. Here's the profit and loss for the month. Can you please do, you know, X, Y, and Z? And that might be find some receipts. It might be send us some certain documents, whatever. And now I could leave that until the last minute, but then I know that everybody's life gets a little bit more pressured in that moment. And so what I do with the rest of the team is I set very early deadlines for the sort of stuff that needs to get done. So if there are missing receipts and we know that we need those to be able to give an accurate profit loss for the month, I don't wait until the end of the month to get that done. I do it 
the week that I get sent them. And I will hijack the team's time for half a day, you know, and I'll get them to hunt this sort of stuff down. They don't enjoy it that much, I'll admit, but I do. So it's okay. Um, Which I think this is interesting point, Henry. They don't enjoy this that much. I think people don't enjoy when they're under pressure with the finances. But what they forget is that they are the ones that created this problem. If you are in a mess with your finances, it is your fault. No one else's. You've let this happen to you. And I think people then get grumpy about being chased by an accountant or chased by the government, which you really don't want to be chased by the government for cash. I've experienced that. They get grumpy about it. But it's that realisation of this is your fault. You could have dealt with this up front. It's not that difficult. Yeah, fully agree. And for me, I think that's where the deadlines come in, because even in those kind of instances, like you never want to be late for anything. And I think that's a rule that goes throughout life. You know, if you're not 10 minutes early to a meeting, you're 10 minutes late because you spend that time settling and, you know, figuring out what's going on. And it's exactly the same with this stuff. And especially when there's finance involved, people chase harder when there's money involved. The government chase harder, you know, shops chase harder. So setting deadlines and meeting them, and especially setting early deadlines is what I do. And it just saves a lot of headache, a lot of hassle. There's one thing that was said to me in a training course many years ago, which was how you manage one thing is how you manage everything. And I think that's a really interesting reflection. If you are managing your money poorly, it probably means other areas of your life, other areas of your work is also not going too smoothly. And I think it's really important to look at how do you manage your time, your finances, your projects, all of those different elements. How you manage one thing is how you manage everything. Emma, do you see any correlation between the businesses that are successful and how on it they are? Or do you see any links between these things when you're with your clients? Yeah, I'd say definitely. The ones that where we see them being successful, the people that are kind of are more proactive almost, they're coming to us before they're doing a potentially a big business decision. They might be hiring people. They might be trying to get some premises. They'll be coming to us and saying, oh, I, th- I think about this. Is this a good idea? Can you do a forecast for me? Could you plan out what this means for me? And they're the ones that are thinking forward, whereas you get others who are almost struggling to pay their taxes. And it's because they've taken all the money out of the business and just spent it personally and not really thought about, oh, I need to save some back for taxes, but I really want to go on this holiday and buy this fancy car or or do this. So it is the people that are kind of living in the short term who are struggling and the ones that are kind of thinking forward to the future and saying, oh, I'm going to cut back on my spending so I can plan and, you know, grow the business and put some money into advertising and do that, that they're the ones that are kind of more on it and proactive and yeah, and just have a plan is the main thing. Just, yeah, where do you want to go? Even if you don't know 100% where I want to be in one year, three year, five year, but just a kind of a rough indication of where you want to be and how you're going to get there. And that Mm. kind of makes a massive difference from a business, whereas some of the others just kind of roll into the business and just say, oh, you know, I'm going to pick up a few contracts and get some money in and then spend all the money I've got. And then, oh, I need to pay my taxes, but that's nine months away. So I'll worry about that nine months down the line. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, to your question, there's a massive correlation in how people kind of act and how, how they manage their money. So I guess that then brings us on to the question, what is a good way to think about finance and money? Like, what are the some of the ways you think 
we should think about this stuff that will create a better financial future? And this is a question for both of you, and I've definitely got some thoughts on this stuff as well. But yeah, what's the best way to think about money that will create the financial future that we desire? I guess from my experience, so when I set up my business with my business partner in 2014, we didn't put any money into the business, but we were prepared to take a cut in our personal finances to fund the future of the business almost. So I see money as... um, it's necessary. So you need money to live. But I didn't want to, you know, I didn't expect to make loads of money overnight. It was kind of a, a gradual thing. And it took a few years to actually get up to a level of earning that was kind of back to my pre-business earnings, if you see what I mean. Um, so I think sometimes you need to be prepared to take a cut to get further along with your money situation. So I like to think about, okay, what money do I actually need to live at a bare minimum? And then what are the kind of things I'd like to have, but, you know, are not completely 100% necessary and then try and create some sort of budget where I can be like, right, I need this amount to live and I do need some sort of life. So I'm going to add in a bit extra and then work back from that to kind of say, right, this is the amount of money I need. And then what we did is we didn't really take out from the business anything in excess to that for a while because we couldn't and we were reinvesting that money back into the business so we kind of reinvested it by um, hiring people, by getting a premise to work out of and investing in technology and software to grow the business. So, yeah, I think money is very useful, but I like to kind of use it to kind of reinvest rather than just take it out and live in the short term. I don't know. Does that help? Does that answer, <laughs> answer your question? I love that because actually one of the things that I repeat a lot is money is a tool. And I think money is an incredible tool that you can deploy and use to improve your life in so many different ways. And the way of thinking about money, because there's so many beliefs out there that money is the root of all evil, money doesn't grow on trees, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. There's all these beliefs. I don't seem to have enough at the end of the month. It always disappears. And that's a belief. And I think those beliefs trap people. But my belief about money is money is an incredibly powerful tool to create the life you want to. So when I see it like that, I get very excited about having it in my life because I build up this massive tool that I can use to do cool stuff with. So I I would totally agree with those thoughts. Absolutely. And Henry, it looks like you've got lots of thoughts to add. Can you see me writing down? Yes, I can. And I love it. (laughs) I love that. Well, it's mainly because you stole my ideas, actually. Like, I totally agree. And I think the phrase that I wrote down is the phrase I hear all the time, which is money is evil. And it's it's a totally wrong assumption. It's a, it's a very opposite belief. Because the only time money is evil is when it's painful. And if it's painful, it's because you don't have a good relationship with it. And I think, for me, money is an enabler. And that's the belief that we should have, exactly as you've both already said, that when you've got money and you've got money that you know you actually can use suddenly problems can get solved in a fraction of the time suddenly you can double the amount of work you're doing because it enables you to hire people find premises all that kind of stuff there's so many things that money enables you to do but you have to know that you actually have it and this sort of goes back to what emma's saying earlier about you know managing the books knowing how much money you've actually got in the bank and not just spending the money that you make because then you suddenly have nothing right 
it's the knowledge is power thing with money. If you know exactly how much money you actually have access to that doesn't belong to the government, doesn't belong to people that you may owe money to already, suddenly you've got money to do stuff and you can solve problems and you can do things. And one thing that I find quite fun to watch, and I see this in some of my friends and I see it at a lot of businesses as well, is like we all know that one person that lives in the short term, don't we? And they have nice things and they, you know, they buy the cars, they have expensive apartments, but we then see the pain that they then have after that because they've spent all of their cash. And actually the people that are better able to live in the short term are those that are preparing for the next month, the ones that are preparing for the next five years, because they know where their money needs to go and they're, they're managing it. And actually they're the ones that are happier because they've removed the painful part about cash. And the painful part about cash is worrying about having enough. And when you know and you can lift that burden and lift that weight off your shoulders that you know everything's going to be fine for you know, three months, six months, a year, suddenly everything is so much easier and your problems are smaller and you can focus on this amazing stuff rather than going, where's the next contract coming in? Where's my next sales? I'm not making enough money. So I think going back to the question, like, this belief that money is evil is just totally wrong. And it's a change in belief about how it's your relationship with money, which is the important thing. And if we can change the relationship with money and how it can help you rather than how it damages you, it can work really well for you. So talking about the relationship with money, I have an exercise I would like to suggest that everyone does. This had quite an impact on me. I would like you to write a letter to money. I would like you to start, dear money, here's my thoughts. You seem to disappear at the end of the month when I need you the most. Dear money, we have mixed feelings. I desperately want you in my life, but when you turn up, I want to get rid of you as quickly as I can. Dear money, you flow in and out. You do this, you do that. Dear money, actually, you've caused me massive problems with my family and here's what's happened. You need to write that letter to money and explore your relationship with it and what beliefs come out of that. Because I'll tell you what, we all have had instances over the years where money has caused us problems. And that then becomes coded in beliefs which affect you without even knowing about it later on in life. So an exercise I would recommend to every person that's listening to this show is write a letter to money and explore your feelings about the relationship with it because it is a fascinating topic. Go I really on. like that idea. I've not heard that before, so I might even try that myself. I think it's a fun exercise. It's definitely a fun exercise. I learned a huge amount by writing a letter to money, because sometimes I love money, sometimes it annoys me. And over the years, I've actually improved my relationship with money. And I think that has come from taking a conscious look at the beliefs about money that were installed from my parents that I didn't even necessarily know about, but the painful experiences from my youth that I saw different family members arguing about money, people trying mm. to rip each other off about money. And then all of a sudden I've got these beliefs about money that it causes problems. And I had to do a lot of work to shift them because it's not the money, it's the people that have been the problems over the years. That's it, probably true of a lot of things, I think. It, it kind of harks back to kind of what your experiences were like in childhood. And then if you can work out, if you know, if something in, in your childhood affected your kind of relationship with money, then that could influence how you react to money in, in the kind of current 
present situation. So I think, yeah, I think that's got a lot to do with it, actually. Absolutely. And you are not responsible for the programming that your parents and other people gave you when you were younger because they installed that, but you are 100% responsible for changing it as an adult. So if you've got bad money programming, if you've got bad programming from your family, it is your responsibility to change that and work on it later on in life because no one else is going to do it for you. And that stuff is going to cause you problems throughout the rest of your life. Boom. Preach. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. So let's move on to the next section. I'd love to know, because I'm always looking for quick and easy ways to think about money and how it works. And one of my favorite is actually a positive training from my dad in the past. He would take me to a restaurant and we'd be sat there and he'd say, so look around the restaurant. How many tables are there and how many chairs on average are at the tables? And then look at the menu and how much do you think people spend on average per meal? And then how many times can they turn over those tables each night? Do they have just one sitting? Do they have two sittings? Do they have three? Then you can work out the amount of money they take each night. Then you times that by the week. And is it busier on Monday or Saturday? And you can make some predictions. And by the end of sitting there, we were working out how much money was flowing into that business each year and then having a rough idea of the costs. And then that I've taken forwards into both my personal life and my business life. And Henry's seen me do this. I sketch out, okay, so we've got this event happening this month, this event happening next month. And I think we've got roughly X amount coming in. We spend roughly X amount a month. I think we're either going to make this much or lose this much. And without interaction, without things changing, I'm normally pretty accurate on that stuff from a rough sketched out thing. And I do exactly the same with my personal life. I've got this much income. Katie's got this much income. We've got this much expenses. I know when we live in Basingstoke, I know we spend 40 grand a year. That's what we spend. And that's with some nice holidays and some other stuff. So I can tell pretty much what's coming in, what's going out and where we'll be at the end of the year. That's the most incredibly useful tool for me. And that's been the quickest and simplest way to do it. And on the back of a serviette in a restaurant when you're sat somewhere, you can just sketch this stuff out. What's your experiences with doing that kind of thing? Do you think it's a good idea, a bad idea? What are your thoughts and feelings? My initial thought on that is, I think that's such an incredibly valuable skill to have because it trains you to think about all aspects of the business. But the one danger that there is, is if that's the only kind of thing you do. And like we've done this at Pop-Up, and in the first few years that I was at Pop-Up, that's kind of all we did. And it was fine because, you know, there wasn't as much going on in the business. There was only three or four of us. We were all doing everything. So we all knew what was going in and out. Whereas now the size of the business is doubled. We're running easily four times the amount of events a year. We're not all in front of each cost. And and actually, if we don't do a regular, and by regular, I mean monthly numbers check, and, you know, we have a full call with Emma and um, you know other members of the team. And you need to know the actual number because then for the rest of the month, you can do that, um, Alan, you can do your technique and you can still be quite accurate because you've got an actual number to start with. 
the challenge that I do see with some small businesses is that's all they do. And they sort of go, well, last year I made around this much and this year I've done, you know, this kind of thing. So I'm probably good, but they're not thinking about, you know, the, the couple of massive costs that they've blocked out of their memory because it was too painful. And, you know, and there, and there are things like that going on in small business. So it's, I'd say it's, it's such a useful tool and actually a really, really cool thing to start doing. And I do it in restaurants as well. I've sort of taken that from you, Alan, because it does encourage you to think about, it gives you a 360 view of your business. But the danger is only doing that. I would recommend doing a monthly breakdown of your entire number thing. Um, yeah, I'd completely agree with Henry on that. You do need to kind of know what your actuals are. I'd say, yeah, definitely do the quick calculation. If you just want an idea of, oh, is this a good idea or is it not? Let's just do a quick calculation and work out if I'm going to be kind of making money on this or losing money. But yeah, if you're running a business, especially a bigger business, you want to be checking in monthly to see, oh, what were my actuals? And you can actually compare those to your forecast or your budget. And a forecast and budget sounds like a scary thing, but it is literally just what Alan said. It's right. What are my costs? What am I expecting my income to be? And what's my profit? And then you can compare how you've done actually versus what you thought you were going to do. And that's a really useful tool because then you can say, oh, I thought I was going to bring in this many sales. I thought I was going to have 100 covers. and Actually, I've only had 50 covers. Oh, next month I need to adjust that to bring that down because Monday night is not as busy as I thought, you know. So those are the kind of really useful ways of checking back and saying, okay, is my sense check accurate? Is it correct? Or do I need to adjust it? And this is one of my kind of geeky things I love doing in my business is setting a forecast and a budget for the year, which I've actually just done because we've just kind of finished our um, end of year and then trying to see if, you know, how close can we get to budget? And actually last year I was pretty much very spot on. Revenue was slightly higher than budget, which is always a great, a great thing. But that's because we're a kind of fast growing business and you can't aren't always forecast accurately um, on that side of things. So whereas costs are kind of a bit easier to forecast because you know kind of what your cost base is normally. So yeah, I would definitely agree with uh, what Henry said and then just say, make sure you're kind of comparing your actuals to your forecast each month. And that will give you a really good indication of how your business is doing. And if you're kind of a bit too optimistic or pessimistic with your forecasting. I love that. So I've got one more example, then I'm going to ask Henry for what he's learnt managing the pop-up finances. And Emma, I'm going to ask you for your top tips for managing your finances for businesses around the world. Um, but one of the experiences that really stuck with me from when I was working with my dad was I remember him buying a bunch of t-shirts and he was buying them at around 50 pence or 50 cents roughly and then selling them for a pound or a dollar. So he was doubling his money. He was very excited about that. And then I remember a few months later, he had the realization that he hadn't included VAT, which is the tax, sales tax. He hadn't included transport. He hadn't included managing and manipulating the stuff in the warehouse and paying for the warehouse and all of those bits. And actually, instead of doubling his money, he lost money on that deal. And I think that for me is one of the things that really stuck with me is you need to think through all of the different costs before you do the deal. Because I have seen so many people, me included, that I've done deals and I've ended up losing money because we didn't actually think about it's going to cost this, it's going to cost that. And there's so many hidden costs that you just don't know about. And that story has stuck with me ever since. 
which is why whenever Henry talks to me about finances, he's probably annoyed when I go, what about this cost? What about that cost? What about this? What about that? And what are we doing about this? And I'm sure you love it when I do that, Henry. Some of them aren't even costs, but it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really powerful, though. A lot of people can get stuck on kind of... um yeah, oh, I'm making loads of money, but actually your bottom line profit is not what you think it is. But I also think, Alan, as well, you're kind of learning from your failures. So almost in the business world, you're going to make mistakes. We've made mistakes. I think one of our kind of key mistakes was setting our prices too low at the start. But you learn from those. And the fact that you're now thinking, oh, what about this cost? What about this cost? Is actually showing that, yeah, you are successful because you're, you've learned from your dad's failure and now you're kind of doing something about it. So I say you're going to make mistakes as a business owner. You're going to have those contracts which are not profitable, but don't give up. Just make sure that next time you learn from that mistake and you do something about it and you think through the costs a bit more clearly in advance. Yes, absolutely. Because the first pop-up business school we ever ran, we didn't make any money on. And if we'd have stopped there, this incredible business we built wouldn't exist. But we learnt and we increased our prices. We worked out how to do it cheaper. And you continue to do that throughout. You're absolutely right. So, Henry, what have you learnt managing pop-ups finances over the years? So going from someone who's never really done this to managing a three quarters of a million pound business a year, what have you learnt? There is a lot to do. Um, yeah, I think as we've already chatted about a little bit, it's been really interesting going from quite a small business, you know, managing all of the paper receipts and figuring out what's from which month and why did we spend this £50 hotel cost all the way up to, you know, a lot more out in expenses every month and uh, all that kind of stuff with other people. I think it's good because it's given me a 360 degree, well, probably not actually it's given me up until the point we're at because we've got a lot of room to grow and it's, you know, it's going to get bigger and it's going to get tougher. And, um, but up until this point, it has given me a 360 degree view of all of the stuff that you need to manage. And when I say all of the stuff, you know, I even mean the costs that you don't even realize you need to have. And I think there's a few learnings. So just sort of off the cuff, the reason that you don't want to be a, big so in, in the UK it would be a limited company I guess but the reason you don't want to be a big corporation set up from the outset is just the sheer amount of paperwork that you have to do and the amount of time that then takes because when you're starting a business you know it is just you and you only have to worry about you and you only have to worry about the costs that you have it doesn't make sense to add all of these pieces of paper to it to make it a little bit harder in the first year I was at pop-up we were just three individuals, weren't we? Well, we were two for the first however many months, just you and me, and then we invited Simon back. Well, yeah, we begged him to come back. We forced him to come back. He turned <laughs> up anyway. Who cares? He came. <laughs> You'll get a different story depending on the team member you ask with that one. And, you know, and the way that the cost worked back then was totally different because there was so little to do because we would spend all of the month running the business, selling, running courses, doing what we wanted to do. And then we would spend a couple of hours, usually together as well, just getting on top of that stuff, you know, going, okay, who do we owe money to? What do we need to pay for? Who has what costs? Who spent money on stuff? Whereas now, 
you know, as I said earlier, it takes me a couple of hours per week to manage all of this stuff because there's, you know, we've got employees, we've got sales tax to deal with, we've got other clients. Like, this is something that I have learned. There is a direct correlation between the amount of money you make per year and how complicated your customers decide to make the payment process. <laughs> that is one thing I have learned. And it's amazing the amount of pieces of paper that you have to sign, fill in, put details into, uh, and sign your life away just to be able to get the sale across the line. It's incredible. It is absolutely incredible. But I guess my biggest learning, and I've spoken about habits and I've spoken about deadlines, and they, you know, they're kind of the same thing. And I think they've probably been my biggest learnings because if you are not structured, if you're not regimented with this stuff, and you don't force yourself to do it regularly, it will absolutely eat your life. Because every month, there is something else that you have to think about. So one month, it might be the sales tax bill. The next month, suddenly you need to redo the insurances again. And then the next month, there's something else. And then the next month, you've got a huge cost that you weren't expecting. And the next month, somebody goes on leave. You know, there's so much to it. And starting to be regimented and starting to have this structure early on will absolutely save your life later because if you're not used to taking a pause every month to think about this stuff it's going to be too late by the time that you feel like you need to do it but you need to start doing that now because if you're not thinking about these numbers regularly and you're not on top of it and in control this thing will completely run away from you and it's going to be really really hard to control it and you're going to spend a lot more money on people to help and people to give you advice you just don't need to do that if you get on it now you can save yourself so much money and so much time later on because it only becomes more work i love that message henry excellent m what are your top tips for the managing of finances for small businesses for all the people around the world and i'm sure these are probably applicable to people's personally finances as well What's the top tips? Yeah, so I've come up with five top tips. I think we've actually touched on a lot of these anyway, but I'll go through them anyway. So the first one is, which I think is the one we've kind of talked about most, is keep an eye on your cash, basically. Make sure you're aware of how much cash you've got, forecast out your costs, forecast your revenue, make sure you kind of know what money you've got coming in, going out. And just a few other points on this, like as a small business, you can get your clients to work sometimes how the way you want them to work. So what I mean is that unless you're dealing with big suppliers and large corporations, what's stopping you getting the money sooner than you'd normally get the money? So this is something that we do. We set up direct debits for clients on a monthly basis. So we get the fees in advance of doing the accounts. And that just helps. Um, it helps the clients spread their costs out. And it also helps us receive the cash up front. So it means that we don't have to kind of do the work and then wait 30, 60 days to get the money for the work that we've done. So that's just an example of how you can kind of make money work for you. Then my second tip would be something as well that we've talked about is keep your records up to date. Do this regularly. Do this monthly if you can. Take an interest in your finances. Maybe invest in some bookkeeping software to help you keep your records up to date because there are so many different softwares out there. Some of them are free. Some of them are paid. And some of them are good for small businesses, large businesses, but it's just good to have this software because you can run reports and show monthly views of your profit and how much cash you've got 
And then it's just going to help you meet your deadlines if you're keeping your records up to date. We talked about your tax deadlines, but also knowing kind of who you owe money to and who owes you money. These are really important things from a business finance perspective. Those are two. And then the third one I've got is make sure you're monitoring your spending closely. So um, when you're starting out, there's always kind of a some people get carried away with starting up a business. Oh, yeah, this is great. I can buy this. I can get fancy business cards. I can pay someone to do my logo and all of this. And it's like, just question yourself, do I really need to spend this money now? Or could I potentially see how things go and then upgrade at a later date? So it's something that we've done along the way. We started out when we were quite small. We invested some money, but we didn't go all out. And then we've just made small upgrades over the course of the last few years. I absolutely love that one. We did an episode with Mr. Money Mustache recently. And one of the things that came out from that, which really made me smile, Pete did a recording in his fantastic American accent or Canadian accent, sorry. It sounds amazing. He's been in America a long time. He leaned into the microphone and said, why are you opening your wallet? Are you thinking of spending money? Uh, so we have a 15 second clip of Mr. Money Mustache questioning you about why you're spending money. So I would love you to download that on your phone. And every time you pull your credit card out, listen to that clip before you spend any money and reduce those expenses because you don't need half the stuff you think you do to do it. Uh, exactly. Yeah, you really exactly. don't. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you don't need to have a premise if you can work remotely, you know, and these are kind of things that can you be smarter with with your resources. And it's something that, yeah, in the longer term, if you do get bigger and you've got more money, then you can kind of splash the cash a bit. But at the moment, just kind of keep it tight. But yeah, yes. no, I love that. I might I might download that. <laughs> Emma, can I just add to your, your yeah, last point? Yeah, sure. Like monitor your spending closely. One thing that I have learned and that I would add to this is that this changes every time you add a new person to your business. As soon as you hire more people or just bring someone else in and they're spending your money or your company's money. Like they haven't, <laughs> Alan's pointing at me. During this. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Like, especially if it's not their business, they haven't got the same emotional connection to it as you do. This money does not, isn't the same to them as it is to you. And you will have to teach them what is and isn't okay in your business when it comes to spending cash. And I think the thing that makes me say this is in Pop-Up, when I joined Pop-Up and it was me, Alan and Simon, we were a totally saving business. You know, we had the cheapest hotel. We shared the car every time we had to go anywhere. We would never get the train because they're too expensive. You know, the car was much cheaper. And, and we just kept costs so minimal because we all believed and invested in pop-up and wanted it to grow as lean and as strong as possible fast forward a few years and we add in new employees some of which came from corporates some of which came straight out of college and the spending habits were just totally different and you could tell that because suddenly the hotel that we were staying in was really really nice and cost three times the amount that me and alan would have spent you know, as good as that is, you know, the company does change and it does grow. It still made me and Alan go, I'm not sure about that. That's a little bit strange. That's not really what we do. And actually, we went through that painful process of you have to re-educate and or readjust 
what monitoring your spending looks like. Because as you add more people, some things get more expensive, some things get cheaper. People have different spending habits. That's just one thing to add. If you do add someone else to your company, just make sure that you're on the same lines with the money. Because at the end of the day, you've got a bigger emotional tie to that cash than they will. And you can actually find out whether you're on the same lines or not by looking at how they manage their money in their personal life. Have a look at what car they drive, have a look at what house they live in, have a look at whether they complain about having enough money at the end of the month. That will give you a whole bunch of ideas about how they manage their money, which how you do one thing is how you do everything. They will be managing your money probably worse, maybe similar to how they manage their own money. So there's a really useful tip, Henry. Sounds like you do some thorough background checks, Alan, on your employees. Yes, I just (laughs) have a look at how they spend every time we go out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Cool. So, um, yeah, so those were three points. And then my final two points, I think I've already mentioned this a lot. Think long term, think for the future, build up any kind of reserves in your business so that you might be able to invest. So as I said before, a lot of people think short term, whereas you should be thinking kind of, yeah, how do I want my business to look in one year or three years, five years? Is this the right decision for me now if I want to get to here? So, yeah, that's my fourth point. And then finally, I think often people can try and do everything themselves when they start out. And that's fine, I think, in the first few months, year maybe. But there is value in getting help with your finances. So hiring someone potentially who knows a lot more about finances and money, an accountant or a bookkeeper can often save you money in the long run. So we found that, yeah, with our experience by kind of us helping with bookkeeping or by doing the accounts, we can suggest things that clients weren't aware of that they could claim for. And we can often give different business advice. So not just about the finances, but about the general businesses. And because we see so many businesses, we can kind of say, oh, this could work well for you. Have you thought about doing this? And yeah, we end up becoming more (laughs) business advisors rather than just accountants. But I'd say make sure you get a good accountant because there are some accountants out there who will literally just take your figures, put them into the accounts, churn out your numbers and tell you what tax to pay. And that's it. But you want someone who's more of an advisor than just a kind of an ordinary accountant. And that's actually why we changed to you um, was we had exactly that. I had a situation with my last accountant that we made the wrong choice about which tax scheme to be on. And it probably cost me 10 plus grand. And he Mm. didn't seem to care. Well, it was my money, obviously. He didn't seem to care at all. And he gave me only retrospective advice, not forwards advice. That's why we don't work with him anymore. And we came to you. And that's why we've ended up working with you. And I think one thing on getting help is it's really important when you get help to listen to them and learn from them and do your own research as well. So if you're asking a question about a particular tax scheme, a particular different thing, read the government website and then go and ask the professional as well. Because if you aren't doing your own research, you're just not going to understand it at the same level. So understand it yourself and get help and get support. And I think that's actually a nice place um, to say, if people want to know more about your business, what you do, how you operate, where do they go? Yeah, so I think the best thing to do is you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and just type in Millward May, M-I-L-L-W-A-R-D, May, M-A-Y. And then we should come up. So you can follow us on those um, on those streams. And then also our website, uh, we've got quite a lot of frequently asked questions and useful kind of business tips. 
on there and our website is millwardmay.co.uk so that's millwardmay.co.uk so yeah give us a follow give us a like be great thank you I love that. And you're an accountancy business with an Instagram account. What do you put pictures of? <laughs> Spreadsheets, oh, pieces of paper, in- <laughs> your giant calculator. Oh. Is there a picture of your giant calculator on there? That's Ooh, what I want to know. Isn't, no, there isn't. But I can arrange for that to be um, one of the uh, one of the pictures in future. I it's want funny that. because I don't even have an Instagram account myself. I'm kind of a bit backward on, on social media. But luckily, we have some younger employees who are a bit more with it. So... <laughs> So they they keep that updated. You're not exactly old, Em. You're quite young yourself. Yeah, I I feel quite old. (laughs) Uh, One of the things we love about working with Emma is she is the most, she's the opposite of what you would imagine an accountant to be. Absolute opposite. She has blonde hair. She's young. She's a triathlete. She's constantly out there cycling um she's phenomenal and she's always challenging us with ideas and inspiration so thank you for being our accountant thank you for coming on the show emma you've been great no it's a pleasure thank you for inviting me and yeah i really enjoy working with you guys awesome and henry if people wanted to know more about you and what you do where would they go um i've got my own social channels they're not that interesting it's usually just pictures of me getting drunk so um, pop-up would probably be the best place to get me. And we are pop-up business on pretty much every social platform, I believe. We're kicking out a lot of content on Facebook and on our website. Currently, we are redesigning our online offering. So um, head over to popupbusinessschool.co.uk. It's got three S's. It looks a bit strange. Have a look on there. We've got a survival guide for businesses to keep them afloat and keep them going, as well as lots of information about getting going as well. So if you want to get in touch, if you want to hang out, come find us on there and we can help you as much as possible. Thank you so much, Henry. Thank you for tuning in to The Rebel Entrepreneur. That was a fabulous episode with Emma and Henry. I have a couple of closing thoughts for you from that episode. The first is I would urge you to do the exercise about writing a letter to money and examining your relationship to it. If money is not sticking around in your life, if money constantly disappears in your life, then we need to examine your relationship with it to find out those beliefs, those ideas, those values that cause it to disappear. So take the time, write the letter, examine what you said, and start to think about your relationship with money. The second is a concept. And the concept is, I think it was originally a Zig Ziglar quote. He said, make as much money as you can, as quickly as you can, then you can take care of the rest of your problems in style. And I love that quote, because I'll tell you what, it is so much easier to sort out a problem with the tool of money on your side. If you have gone out there and built a business, got a good job, made good money, then fixing problems is so much easier because you can hire a great accountant to help you with your finances. You can hire someone to do this. You can buy this. You can buy that and you can take care of your problems in style. So I would urge you to focus on bringing in that cash, the sales, making the money and then taking care of it when it comes. And that brings me on to my third and final recommendation from this episode, and that is the monthly finance meeting. I cannot recommend this highly enough for your personal finances 
and for your business finances. If you're a sole trader or a sole proprietor, a one-man business, a one-woman business, then I suggest you find an accountant, a friend, someone you can talk to, your partner, and to have a monthly finance meeting about how much you've sold, how much money is coming into the business, how much money has left the business, and how much profit you've made that month. And then looking forwards at what's going to happen next. And just that simple habit of looking at your finances every month and where the money is going and where it's coming from will keep you thinking about your business and how to grow it and look after the money. It is an incredibly powerful tool. And I would urge you to do exactly the same for your personal life with your partner, maybe with a friend who you want to manage it with. Whoever it is, doesn't matter. Find someone and do a monthly finance meeting. Katie and I use this piece of software called Money Dashboard to track our spending and we categorize it into accommodation, food and groceries, eating out, transport, miscellaneous, health. We categorize it into different categories and we look and work out where our money has disappeared to. Then we examine, is there areas that we can cut down the expending? Is there areas that we've gone too far and can we increase our spending? And then we look at the other side, at how much money we've bought in that month. And have we as a couple, have we as a financial unit made a profit or not? And we treat our family finances in exactly the same way we do our business. And that's what's helped us to get to financial independence. And I would urge you, I don't care what it is, personal, business, set up a monthly finance meeting and do it every month with someone you enjoy talking to. So do that. Thank you for tuning in to The Rebel Entrepreneur. I love that you listen. If you've got time, if you enjoyed the episode, please go to iTunes or your favourite podcast platform and leave us a review. That really does help us to spread the message. Secondly, if you've got someone that you know who's just not good at managing their finances, please send them this episode. Send them the episode and help them to start thinking through their finances. Because I tell you what, there's no bigger gift you can give someone than helping them get their money in order so that they can start to get to actually enjoying life. Henry is exactly right. If you take care of this stuff, if you look after it, you can be far more in the moment and having fun. Thanks for tuning in. See you soon. You've been listening to Rebel Entrepreneur with Alan Donegan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes to get new fresh episodes as soon as they've launched. To stay up to date with the rebellion, visit choosefi.com slash rebel. Thanks for joining the rebellion.